<laughs> Hello, kitties. It's your old pal, John Kassir, the voice of the Crypt Keeper. And you're listening to The Bottom Shelf. <laughs> All right, everybody. I hope you're ready. We have an, the next movie that we have to watch uh, uh, to continue with the video game theme. We're going with Street Fighter. Oh. Quick, change the channel! Prepare yourself to discover a world of terrible movies. High above the planet Geekery, a group of intrepid explorers hover over the dangerous planet in their fabulous super-orbital spacecraft. Their mission? To conduct a complete analysis of movies known throughout the universe as Terrible. So grab your space popcorn, grab your freeze-dried ice cream, and join us for today's mission of Discovery and Wonder. Are these movies better than the galaxy thinks? Or do they really belong on the bottom shelf? to another episode of the bottom shelf the show from the geek devotions network that watches terrible movies so you don't have to i will be your host this evening my name is smooth operator number 29957 no i this is john (laughs) uh and i'm your host again this is the bottom shelf the movie division of the geek devotions podcast network the network dedicated to letting you know that you are loved. So if you don't listen to anything beyond this point, just know you are loved. You are cared for. There's a purpose for your life. God gone it. Jesus likes you. Uh, <laughs> with us again, returning guest, we have Jonathan Gilbert from the geek devotions crew on, on the face space and other places. I'll say this. Jonathan has been a devoted geek since the beginning of our podcast of Calm Talk. Ever since there was a part that was called the Geek of the Week. <laughs> I honestly forgot that he was I like I really thought he was like part of the show somewhere. Like I I, <laughs> I mean maybe you no, should No, never been part of the show, just known Dallas for like six years now. Yep. Well now that you have a microphone. <laughs> <laughs> Branson's trying to push this thing like a drug dealer. He's like, hey, podcast. I got started. That's how I got started. Uh, and those other voices you heard, we have Branson the Boykin. Ooh. Hello, everybody. How's it going? And Dallas the Mora. Hello. And together we combine to create the giant Megazord. And no, um, we're just a bunch of idiots that are getting together to watch a terrible movie uh My powers combined <laughs> <laughs> he man um, <laughs> <laughs> i can't help it I'm, i had when we recorded the other episode i drank a c4 and now my now my brain's just going a mile a minute <laughs> 
but uh, this week we will be watching Street Fighter, that glorious movie starring Jean-Claude Van Damme. And it's from 1994. It is rated PG-13 for nonstop martial arts action and violence. So that's a thing. <laughs> but uh, it looks like we got some taglines here. Yeah, we do. We do. Let's see. First tagline. I may be bad, but I feel good. Okay. I, I want to read this one. Sweat, muscles, and the amazing 90s action you could wish for. All the amazing 90s action you could wish for. <laughs> Jonathan, you take the next one, bud. The fact that they use video game sound effects is the cherry on top. This one says, one of my favorite bad movies. Hmm. All right. I mentioned this earlier in the show, but quick, change the channel. (laughs) No one is actually from where they portray. (laughs) Facts. Yep. Jonathan, take the last one, brother. Uh, I don't have the last one here, Dallas. What? I'm not seeing it. It says, uh, watch the movie based on the game so you can play the game based on the movie based on the game. <laughs> That's actually a thing, but I'll get into yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> I remember running that game from uh, Video Villager back in my little town I grew up in in Illinois. Wow. So does that mean the movie was different enough from the game that you could base a game on the movie and it be a separate game? It was almost like a reskin. Oh. You take the original, you put the look of the actors from the movie on it, the backgrounds, and call it a new game. Well, actually, let me dive into that because there is information I have on that. That's a great segue into the trivia section. Uh, this movie, like I said, was released in 1994 with a budget of $35 million. Uh by the time it closed worldwide, it had grossed $99,431,786. So it, this, unlike Super Mario Brothers, did make its money back. Um, as mentioned, there was a video game that was based off of this movie called Street Fighter the Movie, the video game. Um, <laughs> initially, it was supposed to be it was supposed to be slated as Street Fighter 3. Uh, still being based off of the movie, but they were going to take the arc of the movie and transfer it into a numbered sequel for the video game series. Uh, during the during this time in the video game market, uh, Mortal Kombat was raking in the dollar dollar bill, y'all. Heck uh, yeah! And Capcom wanted to get in on some of that sweet mocap action, uh, so they uh, felt like doing a uh, di- uh, digitization of all the actors it doing their fancy dancy moves uh, would rake in some of that MK money. Um, lots of things went wrong. And so not only did we get a terrible movie, but we got a terrible video game on top of it. Um, you know, I'm looking at the, uh, at the graphics for it and it looks like, like a, a high res version of the, of Mortal Kombat two. That's basically what they were shooting for. Um, during uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme also revealed that later that during filming of this movie, he had a drug problem and he was doing about $10,000 worth of cocaine a week. Oh my gosh. And Man. also during this movie, he had an affair with Kylie Minogue. Um, 
Director Stephen E. D'Souza confirmed in 2018 that Van Damme's cocaine addiction caused constant disruptions during the filming. Uh, the studio had hired a wrangler to keep an eye on him, but as his person was a bad influence himself, uh, the action star would often call in sick, leave the set, show up late or not at all, forcing D'Souza mm. to find other other scenes to film in order to make up for lost time. Hey. Also, um, and shout out to the director, Stephen E. D'Souza, not necessarily for his work on this movie, but uh, as a decent individual, he deferred his salary to pay his cast. Wow. Mm-hmm. Nice. I respect that. I respect uh, that move. For playing the role of M. Bison, Raul Julia researched various dictators and crime lords and their lives and personalities and mimicked many of their traits to incorporate into the M. Bison character, uh, specifically Benito Mussolini's hand gestures, Joseph Stalin's mannerisms, and Pablo Escobar and his elusiveness and Hitler's love of art. Julia also approached the role with a Shakespearean tone, uh, looking at Bison as the same type of villain as Richard III. Nice. So he seems cool. like a, uh, well, he actually put a lot of effort into that. Oh, yeah. He did. One of the, uh, I'm, I'm going to add a little trivia to it. One of the things about this movie for Julia was this was supposed to be a gift to his kids. They, the, he was talking to him and told him about this movie he got offered and it was Street Fighter and his kids freaked out. And his kids were pretty young. They're probably about your boy's age, actually, Branson. Oh, really? And they love Street Fighter. So the only reason why he took it was because he wanted to make it for his boys. You know, I've heard of a lot of celebrities that get parts in like comic book movies or video game movies or sci-fi movies. It's like, I wasn't interested, but then my kids said, no, daddy, please. Or no, mama, please. And it's like, okay, sure. Why not? So That's cool. Um, and a final note being, as we're talking about Raul Julia, just that this is just a little bit of factoids about the uh, uh, top build cast of this movie. Um, according to the cast and crew, Jean-Claude Van Damme was not easy to work with due to a combination of uh, professional ego and substance abuse. Uh, being the biggest star of the film, Van Damme got a presidential hotel suite with a gym put into his room, and he would often refuse to come out of the hotel or his trailer until he felt ready. Uh, when he did come out, he would often bring alcohol to the set or take hours to shoot his scene. Uh, scenes. By contrast, everyone loved Kylie Minogue, who played Cammy, praising her for her professionalism and generosity, such as hiring a club and buying drinks for the entire cast and crew uh, to make the tough shoot a little bit easier. And there was also equal praise for Raul Julia, who was accompanied by his family due to being terminally ill with stomach cancer. Uh, mm. And despite declining health and frail state, everyone thought that Julia was always focused and a joy to work with. Dang. That, that's fair. That's a pretty bad indictment when a guy with stomach cancer is doing the movie better than the star. That's well, you know, this is going to get into some, we're getting to some conversation, but I've heard that about Jean-Claude a lot, that he was a terrible person to work with. So well, let me read the back of the box real quick, and then we can get into some stuff here. Says this international action superstar Jean Claude Van Damme teams up with Raul Julia for a thrill packed adventure on an epic scale from the screenwriter of Die Hard, 48 Hours, and Commando. And he wrote Judge Dredd, by the way, um, based on the best selling video game 
the film hurdles beyond imagination with explosive action, humor, and amazing special effects that don't hold up. Ben Dam is a <laughs> Colonel Guile, is allied, allied nation's commando, who leads an elite team of street fighters against the forces of General M. Bison, Julia. Bison, who has hatched an evil plan for world domination in a fun park, takes dozens of relief workers hostage, hostage and gives the world only 72 hours to respond to this twisted demand. Yeah, that's about how long it took me to watch the movie. In that time, <laughs> Guile must find the captives and confront Bison in an electrifying battle for the fight or for the fate of the free world. Featuring sizzling songs by Ice Cube and Hammer, Street Fighter is an exciting, no holds bar action film please hammer, for the whole hurt him. family. Do what? I said, please, Hammer, don't hurt him. <laughs> <laughs> so the back of the box also has this quote from. Uh, Joseph B. Maurice. And he says, uh, Street Fighter has the perfect combination of elements to put the magic back into Saturday matinees. Well, let's see if there's any magic in this uh, in this for us, guys. Um, any expectations about this magical film we're about to watch? Any expectations I have are probably tainted because this is one of those movies when I was working third shift Staying up the night before I had to go back to work, I'd find on one of the higher number channels and watch an hour, 45 minutes of. So in the past 10 years, I've probably seen this movie 12 times in bits and pieces. Wow. I actually have never seen it at all. I've never even really played video games. I am this. I am completely blind. I have heard through the grapevine that this isn't a great movie. Well, I mean, obviously, if it's on this show, it's not a great movie, but. I've I've never seen it. I've never watched it. Uh, I maybe played the video game once when I was visiting my grandmother and my older cousin had his uh, game system hooked up to her TV. I might have played it then, but I actually know next to nothing about the Street Fighter franchise. So this is all new to me. Cool. I have, I also have not seen this movie before. Really? I wow. caught a, a chunk of it back in the day when it was on VHS. I caught like maybe about 15 minutes of it. But outside of that, no, I haven't seen this movie. There was there was a release of the first wave of video game movies that came out, uh, which mm -hmm. was three movies that that came out all around the are all around this time period. There were Super Mario Brothers. See the last episode. Uh, <laughs> this movie and then Double Dragon. Yeah. Featuring featuring Bimmy and Jammy. Um, <laughs> See next season of the bottom shelf, by the way, uh, there's, there's, there's like three people out there who are laughing at the Bimmy and Jammy uh, or the Bimmy and Jammy joke, which is a localization thing. Um, but so, I mean, and all three of them ended up being awful because the people who were involved with the creation of the movies either had no respect for or didn't understand the source material. Um, so my expectations going into this with that understanding are set pretty low. Yeah. Well, for me, I, I watched this movie when it first came out on VHS years ago. I've probably seen it a, a handful of times if it was on TV. Um, it is one of those ones I bought just to say, hey, this is a terrible film. Um, and also just the I don't know. There's something about it, like as a person who likes terrible movies, but also like it, it, it holds a. It was such a topic of conversation as a kid, 
but I am not expecting to really enjoy this uh, going into it. Uh, for my memories of it as a kid, I remember sitting in the lunchroom dogging it. Like my friends and I talking about how bad some of the effects were and like the uh, the special moves that they did. <laughs> so were they not like we would status? we mocked it openly uh, in the lunchroom. So uh, that's that's where I'm coming from going into this film. So so your expectations are low is what you're saying. Yeah, they're pretty low. <laughs> All right. Well, unless anybody's got any other expectations to discuss, I think it's. Time to go in the torture chamber. Let's go. Dear listeners, this is your opportunity to escape. Our crew has just entered into the media projection chamber. What horrors and madness that they consume are unknown. Their mental state upon their return is unknown. You have been warned. Hey, wake up, Branson. Branson. Movie's over. What? 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 what, what? Branson. Huh? Movie's over. Oh, it is? Yeah. We're... Oh, darn. I, I missed it. I'm so heartbroken. <laughs> I mean, we can always take you back in there to watch it again. No, 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 no. We That, that time, 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 time. That's we the... have this machine, Branson. We could put a little, like, we could just be right there. Goggles for you. We'll pump you full of drugs to keep no. you awake. Oh, no, 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 no. No, actually, all the drugs that are used to keep people awake uh van damme took them apparently <laughs> <laughs> awkward jokes from john <laughs> all right man. well ladies and gentlemen we have uh exited the uh the viewing chambers and uh none of us have our hair turned to, or- to orange although branson does look a little green so <laughs> um this is our spoiler free conversation time so let's jump into it um you can definitely tell that van damme was going through massive amounts of blow while he was filming this i don't think he was present like like i'm watching it now especially with you have what you say and what you said like you can tell like if you go if you watch him act he is just not present at all and i don't know at first i thought it was because nobody was like really there for this film like because one of the things i heard about this film was that they had less than a year to put together. Like Capcom was like, no, it has to happen, which is why they got D'Souza because he was the only person who would take on the job. Who's never, he, this was his first directing job. Oh, wow. And, um, so I figured like that was why, but no, he was definitely mentally checked out the entire time. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that, that was what, that was one of the biggest things like that I had put, I had written down in my notes here is just like, where in the world was the $35 million budget used? on this movie (laughs) and after doing my research on you know the trivia for this movie it's like oh it it, it, the half of it probably went up of van damme's nose because probably yeah yeah that guy yeah that was rough but i will say this for a 90s movie um while the sets look cheap they kind of fit the video game vibe to be honest, like you know, there are a couple that. times where say what I got that. Yeah, it, it felt like yeah. there's a couple times where like you could tell they were try trying quotation marks to emulate some scenes from the video game, plural games, plural. I, I felt like overall it's I mean, I walked in, like I said, I never played the video games, uh, so I have zero basis to start with, but I definitely got the the 90s action flick 
vibe, you know, and it, it felt like a fun popcorn movie. It was, you know, mm-hmm. I wasn't taking it too seriously. And I was like, okay, this is, this isn't the best film ever, but there's a lot to enjoy about this. Um, you know, I, I looked forward to scenes where Jean-Claude Van Damme wasn't in there. Cause I felt like he was the worst actor of them all. Mm. Uh, but everything was going good until a, a certain point. And I'll save this for the spoiler section, but there's a point where the movie for me took a turn. And at that point, mm-hmm. like, okay, I can't enjoy this anymore. Right. But up until that point, there was a, there was a lot that I enjoyed about it. Yeah. I don't know. Do you guys remember back in the nineties when WCW was on TNT after it ended, they had those like B action movies that were just fun to watch because they were just so corny. That's yeah, the, yeah. that's yeah. the vibe I got off of a lot of this is yes. this is one of those yeah. B action movies that you enjoy because it's just so far out there. Yes. Well, I'll, exactly. I'll say this like throughout the it was so self-aware and they were making so like they made jokes on purpose. This you could tell like they weren't do, they were doing the film seriously but they were seriously making a joke out of it. I really feel like this falls into the realm of of camp. Like this is like like Adam West camp style for most of the film. Like, yeah. I don't think they're wanting to make a serious film. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I, okay. So like, I don't think John Claude Van Damme can, des- can deliver a believable line to save his life. No, no. I mean, he's got the whole, all the acting talent of a middle school drama team. I mean, <laughs> his, his line delivery is just so unique and he can is entirely believable. And look at me do the splits. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> to be perfectly honest, and I hate saying this, the lead actor in Fatal Deviation was better at line delivery than Jean-Claude Van Damme. I was about to Jean-Claude say, dude, Van like Damme fan was better than the actual man himself. That's awesome. Yeah, I've never been. Jonathan, able to have you seen that. Fatal Deviation? I've never been able to finish it. I started it after you did the episode about it, and <laughs> I've fallen asleep every time I tried to watch it. It's so bad, but <laughs> it's so bad. It was it was a pretty rough movie. Um, so I will say though, it is exciting to see that the costume department from Mighty Morphin Power Rangers is able to get work outside of network television. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that like when I saw Bison's headquarters and all of his hitch marching around, it's like, this looks like a Power Rangers movie, <laughs> right? It's the one we deserved. Uh, <laughs> the, I will the, say um, the look on your I face Dal- Dallas. When I said that was priceless. I mean, I, I could eat that for breakfast every single day. <laughs> oh my gosh. I would say that costume wise, I was annoyed with the costumes throughout most of the film mm-hmm. because they were like, they were just not right. Like the only person whose costume was was mostly right was um, Bison, mm-hmm. uh, and that's about it. Everyone, like, like why was Chun Li in the you know the Player Two clone costume? Thank like, you, <laughs> thank you. That is one of my biggest gripes about this movie is that Chun Li outfit. It's like what idiot made this decision? Here you've established this strong, powerful fighter, and now all at once we're going to go this way with her. Like, nothing about it was was right costuming-wise. Welcome to the 90s! <laughs> I have thoughts about her outfit, but that kind of gets spoilery, so I'll save that. Right. I'll give you that. Um, so, I also think... Like, go ahead. Huh? 
Well, just like throughout the entire thing, like they, they have these weird moments where they're trying to cram in lore and thoughts of the of what of the Street Fighter world. And it's just this awkward, like, just let me just shove it in here. Let me shove it in this pocket here. And it was just like there was no thought to some of the stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that kind of taps on what I was about to say, which was that this movie has the same problem as uh, Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Mm. Um, in that there's too many characters and not enough character development. Yeah. And, yes. I mean, that was one of the biggest crimes with Annihilation was that they decided to have 37 characters. Like they, they literally like in Annihilation, they literally went into the character select screen and like, we're going to do all of these, just yeah. all of them. And I feel like they tried to do this and do that in this movie. And it's just like, you can't do that with a movie. You got to be able to self edit because if you can't develop yeah. these characters, you know, then it would have been better if they based it off of Street Fighter 2 rather than Street Fighter 2 Turbo Plus X, mm-hmm. which had like 60,000 mm-hmm. regular characters. <laughs> also, another thought that I had, and I don't know how many people are going to be able to connect with this, but I, have you guys seen the movie Last of the Mohicans? Yes. It was incredibly weird for me to see Magua from Last of the Mohicans play Sagat, which is a Thai crime boss. Okay, yeah. that, that confused me because I haven't seen Last of the Mohicans, but I have seen that character play Native Americans and other things. It's because he mm-hmm. is Native American. Was supposed to, I missed that he was supposed to be Asian. Yeah. It, uh, until like, it was like halfway through the movie, I finally realized that he was supposed to be Asian. I was like, he does not. That well, was like the, what they said in the in the uh, in in our uh, in our portion of the beginning of the show. Nobody portrays a character from where they're from. And it's frustrating to me because really all all that says about the casting, and I know this is more of a uh, 2000s, you know, 2010s, 2020s issue, but it's just like it's for for it's almost offensive to me. And I'm, you know, I'm as white as it gets. But I mean, it's just like the whole mentality behind it was "Eh, any brown man will do. And yeah, that. Well, I mean, if 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 you've got my, my attitude is always if you've got an actor who's a phenomenal actor, mm-hmm. but doesn't match the race of the character cast him anyway. And just don't make the race a big issue. I mean, if, if they wanted, I'm sorry, what was his name? Uh, the guy that played Sagat. Uh, I don't know his, I don't know his actual name, but I, okay. I just know him as the guy who played Magua from the, yeah. uh, well, if you want him Legends. to play Sagat, let him play Sagat, but don't make it a point to say he's supposed to be Asian. Just well, let him be who he is. The problem is, is that character in the video game is Thai. Like, yeah, both him oh, and okay. both him and M. Bison are first supposed to be from Thailand. Oh, okay. Like that's a that's a in in thing, and that was the thing is everyone's character base was uh, reflective of the style of fighting that they had. Also, so Sagat was was it supposed to be a Thai fighter? Uh, not Tie Fighter Branson like from Star Wars, <laughs> but like a fighter he fights in Tie. And there's a very distinct like even his fighting style in the movie. From the again, I'm not some martial arts expert, but from what I've seen, there is nothing Tie about the way that he fought in the game itself or in the movie itself. And again, it's it's not a perfect one to one, obviously with what they were doing. Um, but that was one of the things that annoyed me is nobody's fighting styles really looked right even felt right for the game. Like there were several times where there were fight scenes. They were doing the special fi- fighting moves that you have from the game. And they were, they were, they were flatlined. The Hadouken. Dallas. Yeah. We're not in the spoiler oh, yeah. section. Oh my gosh. 
Do we need to go ahead and go to the spoiler section? Might be Let's a good idea. So Dallas can, so yeah. Dallas can finish this rant. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the spoiler section. Okay, picking up from Hadouken. The Hadouken was trash. It was absolute <laughs> trash. My, he's in the middle of a fight. He's he's doing infighting, and all of a sudden he does this like weird like kamehameha like motion, and he taps the chest of the guy, and and they animate a little flash of light that makes no sense. There's nothing in the game, in the in the movie, that says anything about what a Hadouken was. There's no training for it, which the Hadouken is a major aspect for, for Ryu. And it's just like, here we go. And then, like, Ken does a little, like, uppercut. And basically, he just, like, taps the chin, and he does a little, you know, puree. La, 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 ballet. I mean, like, okay, thank you, Nutcracker. I appreciate that. And Nutcracker would have been much more effective than what you did right there. Nothing about the thing. The fighting was trash. I know they had like one day to film everything and to make it all happen, but I'm like, geez Louise, Branson, we had better choreographing fencing scenes. You remember the, remember for, for context, Branson and I were fencers uh, back in high school. You remember John, our, uh, Sam's like old man uh, pimp slap with the saber? Yes. Where he'd walk up. That was better choreographed than anything that was in this dadgum movie. <laughs> Rant over. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Well, now we know how Dallas feels. Uh, <laughs> that that Dallas legitimately sounded offended in that rant. I, I think he was. <laughs> look, I I like martial arts films. I enjoy uh, good choreograph choreography and everything like that. And this is a again, I don't have a special attachment to this franchise, but this is a franchise that is well loved, and I feel like it deserved a lot more respect than what it got when they did this. Um. And there was a lot of great talent in this movie oh, that was wasted. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Raul Julia. Gosh. Can can we say that guy was wasted on this movie? Because despite the fact that he was working with... A no, no, no. But Dan was wasted on the movie. No, what I'm saying is... <laughs> what, I, what I'm saying is that uh, despite the fact that Raul Julia was given a terrible, terrible yeah. script. I was making a joke. Oh, I got you. Oh, he, no, he was wasted in this movie, not on this movie. <laughs> um, but despite the fact that Raul Julia was given a terrible script, he's still shown. I mean, he Man. he yeah. he put a shine on that turd that, you know, that was just. Bison mm. was easily my favorite character of this whole movie. And I know they don't root for the villains. Talk, and yeah. it, it, it makes it makes me sad that this was his last movie. Mm. Yeah. Talk about yeah. Raul Julia and. His acting in this movie, it was incredible. I noticed this for the first time. There were scenes where you would see him at first. He would look good, healthy, performing real well. It would cut away to Sagat or whoever for a second and cut back like it's supposed to be a two-minute shot. And he would look just haggard like the cancer was destroying him at that moment. And yet yeah. he was still giving a stellar performance. He really right. put yeah. his heart and soul into it. Yeah. That makes me so much more critical of, of everyone's performance. Cause especially hearing the kind of research he put into it. Mm -hmm. It's like, okay, let, you know, Bison's supposed to be a dictator. Let me research all of these dictators. Let me take mannerisms from them. Let me uh, look at Shakespearean characters and try to emulate their character styles. I mean, he poured so much into that and, well, I mean, even if you can contrast it with the other actors, I mean, I made a joke earlier about the the uh, the wardrobe in this movie. 
I'm I'm gonna say that you know the acting direction in this movie was also borrowed from the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers because <laughs> there is a lot of that Power Ranger over the top acting in this movie. I mean, Julia excluded. You know, we can talk about the fact that Kylie Minogue was a decent person and tried to be professional on cast, but quite frankly, she was terrible, terrible in this movie. Let me ask you this: Do you think she was terrible because? Because again, I truly feel that a large portion of it was a matter of we're going to camp this up. They're purposely having fun and being stupid. Case in point, quick, change the channel. That line that (laughs) I I think every one of us probably died at watching. Yes. That annoyed me, actually. That made me laugh. I think that was on purpose. I had to pause the movie because I was laughing so hard. Honestly, (laughs) like, like seriously, the the writing, I I blame the writer of this movie. Yeah. I blame the I blame the writer and the and despite the fact it was his first movie, I still blame the director because like the writing in this movie felt like it was by the same people who wrote episodes of the Secret Life, the the, the Sweet Life of Zach and Cody. <laughs> <laughs> like it, it it felt like a Disney Channel TV show to me. Like literally, this movie made Best of the Best Two feel Shakespearean. I never saw Best of the Best Two, so. <sighs> It's not great. It's not great. (laughs) There were whole scenes thrown into the movie that just made no sense. Like when Bison was there and he's got that, uh, what they call it, Bisontopia or whatever the name of that town was. He's like, oh, and we got to make sure we have a food court. Here we, why? Why is a dictator (laughs) suddenly wanting to build a Bisontopia that has a food court? Or then you have (laughs) the part of the, Two things in the movie that drove me nuts. Number one, why did they decide to put Cammy in pigtails? I know in the game she was in pigtails, but have you ever been in a fight? The easiest way to win a fight is control your person's, your enemy's head. Grab them pigtails, you've won. And then Chun-Li, why throw her in her traditional game costume at that point? It felt unorganic, unoriginal, and just some... 80s evil movie trope instead of trying to do something better like she used that to infiltrate Chattaloo and be more organic with the story. That's what I wanted to mention earlier about Chun-Li's outfit is throughout the whole movie her outfits make sense. When she's doing the news reporter, she's in a news reporter gear. When she's doing her secret ninja stuff, she's in a black cat suit. When she's undercover trying to blow up the weapons depot she's in her circus outfit the time that where they bring in and, and, and like i said i don't have a lot of familiarity with street fighter but i do know what some of the characters look like so i had a familiarity with what chun Li should look like from the game and mm-hmm. when they bring her outfit in it is to dress her up like a concubine for the dictator and i'm like that doesn't that doesn't show that you think a lot about the character if when you reveal her in-game costume she's dressed up to please the fancies of the villain yeah like like you said she could have she could have dressed that way to get into the base you know or or, or something like that instead of her being forced to wear that outfit and i that was that was kind of at the point where i was like this Uh, I don't think I like this as much as I used even to. even if there was a small like vocabulary of like why she wears the outfit 
and going into on purpose. Like like what they did with T Hawk, whenever it was like like they shoehorned in. It's like, why are you wearing the the headband? Oh, it's Cherokee. I do it to uh, for good luck because of my people. Okay, you shoehorn that in real quickly, but you explained it and it makes sense now. Yeah. But like hers, it purely was it was it was almost victimization of of her as a character. Yes. 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 Or why was Balrog wearing boxing gloves at the end? Where did they come from? Like all of a sudden he had boxing gloves. Like I get it, like he's like the Mike Tyson style character uh from the game, but like like it doesn't even show like I could get like a like he runs into the uh into a uh into a room where they were where they were sparring but like why were the box gloves at this point dude uh <laughs> especially like if you're fighting people for freedom why are you putting a boxing gloves on to protect right. that's not, that's not right. the time to put on boxing gloves right that's the time to take them off right one of my other issues is the fact that jean-claude van Damme's character is the main character like they they made guile the main character of the movie even though, like, from everything I've seen from the comics to the 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 animes, Guile is a, while he's a good character, while he is a main character, he's not the. Normally, it's Ryu who is the main character, or maybe Ken in a combination of the two, but not Guile. And it was like, is it, like, who wrote the script? Honestly, this, went, Let's make this movie felt more like a pilot for a TV show than it did in Okay. Movie. Yeah. I would have loved to watch a movie about uh, Ken and Ryu. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would have loved to watch a movie about those two. I, totally. Not a movie, but a TV show, rather. Um, yeah, yeah. I would have loved to watch a TV show about E. Honda. That guy was interesting. Why was mm-hmm. he able to get caned so many times and just, you know, chew his fingernails? Right. You know, it, it's <laughs> yeah. just like there were so, so much rating. There were so more there were so many more interesting characters they could have gone with than Guile. Well, I think part of why they went with Guile as the lead was because of the current political climate in the world at the time. Like you're talking about on attack of the killer tomatoes, the reds, the Russians, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's around the time we had the switch of leadership from, I think his name was Kim Il Sun to Kim Jong Il. That was around the time mm-hmm. of everything happening in the Middle East with uh, the first Gulf War. So they were going for a kind of pro-American superhero military style leader to make this movie more impactful to people. And it ended up making it kind of fall flat on his face for the fans. Mm. You know, that makes sense because I, I definitely got a like I remember thinking, especially in the early part of the movie, feeling like this feels like a slightly more mature gi joe cobra mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like like it, it had that vibe of yo joe and you know especially with the power ranger outfits that the the henchman had i was like those look like cobra commander's coons yep i it, it felt it felt to me and i i i'm not certain if any of you guys are going to be able to relate to this because i don't know what kind of movies y'all watch but it, it it literally felt like a live action and it felt less like a live action street fighter and more of a live action team America. <laughs> I can see that. I've seen team America a couple times and I can definitely see that. I mean, like literally I want, I want you guys like how, how many of you guys have seen team America? I have, I, I've seen portions of it. I've seen advertisements for it. Okay. Think of the most action-packed part of Street Fighter in your head right now. This is a little thought experiment. Uh, you know, one of the most action-packed, like the scene at the end, 
Mm-hmm. And then replace the soundtrack to, with the theme song of Team America. And tell me if it feels out of place. <laughs> Are you talking about the one that says America and then has a phrase? It's America. Yep. Yeah. 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 Coming to save the day. Yep. day. Oh, I can see it. <laughs> I can picture that. I was actually thinking. Saving yeah. the world the American way. As I was watching that final fight, John. I was thinking to myself, couldn't they have chosen Mm -hmm. a more energetic, more fight-worthy song? I mean, at the time, you already had a lot of the hard rock, heavy metal bands that had been used in action scenes had already released their songs, and then they're playing this, like, generic, computer-generated soundtrack to it. But something like the America or something from Guns N' Roses, even, would have been so much better. I mean, they could have put the... They could have put the that- intro track from Hulk Hogan in WWF. <laughs> <laughs> and it would, I am a real American. Fight for the right of every man. You know, it, it, speaking know. of the, 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 the final fight scene, I, I have a question. What's up? Yeah. Why did they choose the super stealth boat to be the distraction for the invasion? They have this super stealth system that is going to go and be the distraction. So they turn on the stealth, sneak past enemy lines, and then instead of sneaking by the radar towers, they blow them up. That, I, 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 was, I was trying to understand, why is the super stealth boat distraction? Because you got to get close enough to the radars to take out the radar so they don't see the invading force. But then they know the invading force is coming because they blew up the radar. Yeah. But from the opposite direction. It's a catch-22, and it's... Then why blow up the radar? It's the old, like <laughs> I was saying earlier, it's the 90s B-action movie logic. You have to do something <laughs> crazy and off the wall to make something logical actually happen. And that's what they did, right? It's the same... It's the same, it's the same problem that I was talking about in Super Mario Brothers, man. It's just, yeah. we're here because we're here... Because we're here. Because we're here. <laughs> yep. I want to say something positive about the film. Oh, and that luck. is, I, I, I appreciated the fact, I love the fact that Bison's control panel was uh, the arcade panel. Yes. Really? You liked that? Yeah. If you look at that, that's the arcade fighting control stick yep. and buttons. That was his control panel. For <laughs> as much me. For as much as this whole movie was hokey and campy, that was the final straw for me. That was what took me out and just made me just like, <laughs> no, same no. here. John. Same for me. I was, I was, I was finding a lot of reasons to enjoy it. I didn't like the Chun-Li outfit situation. The stealth boat that was the distraction was like, Oh, okay, let me just hurry up and get to the final fight. But when he goes into his little ball thing and I see arcade buttons, <laughs> like, okay. I think I fell asleep shortly after that action. Bro. Now, Branson, you said, what was the point that you checked out on the movie? You said there was a point where it just, it turned on you. That, that was, that was it. When, when he had those, the video game buttons as the interface for his cannon or whatever it was. I don't even know what he was shooting, but I, I, I fell asleep shortly after that moment. Plot bullets. He was shooting <laughs> plot bullets. Oh, okay. They, they, plot bullets. They hit things and they make plot. holes. <laughs> 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 um, Bro, and then I saw his floating station that he was in. 
I'm like, wait, no, this is the wrong movie. This is supposed to be at the end of Super Mario World. King Koopa is supposed to be riding this. What's going on? No, no, no. That's that's uh, that's uh, Eggman from Sonic. That's what that is. That's all of them. That's just it. It's the wrong movie. Like, at no point did M. Bison, I, and and when he did this, when he did his torpedo, whatever the heck it is, where he's flying through the air. He's supposed to be spinning and on fire. And it's just like, there's so much that they gave attention to in this Mm -hmm. movie to be like, we need to do this like the video game. But they picked all the wrong things to do that with. Right. And didn't do them well, apparently. It's like, why were they so focused on making Guile and and, uh, Cammy so close to the video game? And yet Dalsim gets a bit part as a... uh, as a scientist which has nothing to do with the video game right it's just like either you're gonna do it or you're not but you don't need to you can't i kept waiting for dalson to do something like do the i was i wanted to see how they were going to animate the punching right i wonder if they just they ignored it because they knew they couldn't do it i mean because i mean literally 99 percent of what dalson does is breaking physics in the game i think they were setting up for it when they had in that scene when he's with uh, Blanca, they had that mutagen stuff fall out mm-hmm. on his arms. I think they were setting oh. up for it, but then they realized, how are we going to do this? We've already wasted so much money on John claude Van Damme's nose. How are we going to do these long arms? <laughs> <laughs> and then Blanca, uh, was it just me? Oh, my gosh. Or was that the incred- Lou Ferrigno Incredible Hulk with an orange wig on? Yes. Yes, that's exactly what that was. No, no, it was it was Dollar Tree Lou Ferrigno, <laughs> Incredible Hulk, with an orange wig on. You know what I'm saying? You know how like you you, you see like the mm. off brand toys, and it was like Arachnid Man, sir, and it's like this like ghetto looking Spider Man. That, that's what that was. That was the Wish.com, <laughs> uh, Incredible Hulk. Oh my gosh, I was so Blanca is one of my favorites in the Street Fighter Two game, and uh, just because he's cool looking. That made me mad, actually. Again, I'm not that attached to the series, but they screwed up so much. Like, literally, like, uh, out, out of character, um, I went to watch the Street Fighter II anime movie just to get this out, just just mm-hmm. to have that experience, just so I could have a proper Street Fighter experience. Good palate cleanser. <laughs> well, boys, should we go ahead and yeah. <laughs> rate this? Yeah. yeah. Uh, for the listeners at home, that during that... S- there was a brief silence there where we all just kind of stared at each other with a thousand yard <laughs> stare. Like we just <laughs> survived <laughs> some boys to say. <sighs> yeah. All let's right. go ahead and hit the ratings. Uh, all right. Branson, what's our rating system? All right. Here on the bottom shelf, we have a four step rating system on how we rate the movies. First up, we have, uh, John, you may have to edit this out. Dallas, I'm getting a low battery warning. Oh, uh, I'll be there in a second. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll take over the rating uh, for you here. Uh, here, uh, actually, Dallas, I will go ahead and do that because uh, we're having some technical difficulties here. Uh, here on the bottom shelf, we have a four rating rating system where we have a top shelf rating system, or top shelf rating rather, where this is a, t- a great movie. People should watch it. I believe everybody would enjoy it, and it has a place on everybody's uh, collection. Uh, there's the middle shelf where 
it's understandable why some people wouldn't like it. I personally enjoyed it. And I think there's a quite a few other people who would enjoy it. And depending on who it is, I would recommend this to somebody. Uh, there's the bottom shelf, which is, no, this is a bad movie. Uh, some people might enjoy it. I can see why some other people might enjoy it. But as for me and my house, it is not good. And then there's the dumpster fire, which is where it's just terrible and it loses its license to exist. And as far as we understand, no movie has ever made it into the dumpster fire. So with that being said, uh, Jonathan, what would you grade this movie as? A low middle shelf headed towards the bottom shelf. A low middle shelf. There were definitely highlights of the movie that were just fun to watch, like the final fight scene. And I got a lot of enjoyment and laughter out of the control panel being a actual game controller. But then I could, <laughs> I could see a lot of disaster in this movie with the overcharacterization that just made it difficult to watch. All right. All right. Well, Dallas, where so, are you at with this movie? I went back and forth on this a lot. Um, like Mario Brothers from last episode, uh, this is not a good movie. Um, <laughs> it's just how you say it, man. I don't know why that makes me laugh. Went out to make t-shirts. This is not a good movie. Uh, but was I entertained? Yes. Am I entertained enough to keep watching it over and over and over again? Not regularly. Um, we, I, we were talking off camera. Uh, I am legit fighting the 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 impulse buy to go ahead and purchase the Street Fighter 2 collection for the Switch right now. Like I'm legit fighting that urge. It makes me want to play Street Fighter. I'm not a big fighting game person. Um, so good Capcom, uh, you're making money. And that's the thing. This movie made bank. It made back its money plus some in the world market. It was a hit overseas. Uh, I think it's better than the Chung Lee movie that came out. So <laughs> that might be another season of, of the bombshell. I'm gonna go ahead and rate it. I'm 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 yeah. I'm gonna go with Jonathan. It's gonna be a low middle shelf. Because I'll throw it in and laugh at it on the background. And uh, I think it's better than Mario Brothers. I appreciate the in the work of of, of Raul Julia. And the the way, like you said, he shined that turd. Um, it's it, it's a, it's uh, it's amazing what he was able to do with it. And if you go with it with the mindset, this is camp. This is not a serious film. This is purely camp. I can rock with it. So low middle. All right. Branson. Where you is with this one? Ah, you know, when I first started watching it, the further we got into it, I I felt like this was going to be a solid middle shelf. Like I was like, yeah, this is campy. Yeah, this is 90s B action. But you know what? I I like it. It's fun. I'm enjoying this. I I could I could see myself seeing this on the on on a channel and stopping to watch it just because it's there. But then we hit, I guess, the equivalent of Act Three, where we were leading up to the big fight, and things just fell apart. And it was, it was telling to me that I fell asleep watching the movie, and when I woke up, I did not feel the urge to go back and watch the parts I missed. It was a, uh, oh darn, I missed it. Okay, so it certainly had the potential to be a middle shelf for me, but when I balance all the pros and cons, I. I can't take a movie that I don't want to finish and put it on the middle shelf. Uh, there are too many good things about it for me to dumpster fire it. Uh, 
So I guess where y'all put it on a low middle shelf, I would put it on a high bottom shelf. Just because I can't, I can't middle shelf a movie I can't finish. Mm. That's fair. Um, all right. So I've been doing some thinking about this, and what it comes down to is, I don't feel like this movie respects the resource, the source material at all. I don't think it respects the source characters. Um, I feel like casting, they did a terrible job casting, and if Jean Claude Van Damme was wasting so much time putting so much cocaine up his nose and time is a commodity that you can't have back especially when you have someone who's terminally ill as a part of your cast Mm. trying to make something as a legacy for his son which which is what Raul julia was doing um you know they that should have been something that was corrected early on in Mm -hmm. in production um at at any rate you know, out of respect for the performance that Raul Julia put in this movie, I wouldn't throw this in the dumpster fire either. Uh, so, and I, I don't want to own this movie. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to watch it again. Um, I'm going to put it on the bottom shelf. All right. Well, as you guys know, in past uh, episodes, if we have a split tie, which we do, and um, it is uh, two low middles and two bottom shelves. Um, we're going to go ahead and we're going to toss this to the community. We're going to make a post. And at the end of this episode, after our week connection, we will give you guys our final rating. Uh, thanks to the uh, community. So uh, stick around for that. All right. So <clears throat> is it time to go to the week connections? Uh, we need something uplifting. All right. <laughs> this is a week connection. All right. Welcome to the Week Connection. This is the portion of the show where uh, we take a look at these terrible movies and we bring out something encouraging and uplifting to help you, uh, you know, grow a little bit, be inspired, and know that you're loved and you're cared for. And uh, this is obviously in thanks to our good friends at Strangers and Aliens, Ben Avery, who does this on a regular basis. In fact, Ben did a Week Connection uh, for this film. and uh, I can't promise you this is going to happen, but we may reach out to him and see if he wants to slide his into this episode also. That being said, uh, let's jump into it. I got a weak connection for us um, looking at it. And, and like uh, we said before, this film was rife with the problem. They took stuff out and they added weird stuff to it over and over and over again. And uh, it kind of reminded me of uh, Ecclesiastes chapter four. Um, no, I'm the wrong section. <laughs> let me redo that i was pulling out one of my uh my original mario brothers one i apologize let me redo that um all right welcome to week, week connections this is the pot portion of the show where we uh bring out something encouraging uh for this uh these films that are sometimes not very encouraging when you finish watching them uh this is inspired by our friends over at strangers and aliens ben avery who does weak connections with different films does a great job check them out strangersaliens.com fantastic podcast that john you've been a member of their uh show many times before uh, several yeah and uh what was the one you just recently did with them something actually no that i just recently did um i did a uh I actually the most recent thing I did with them hasn't come out yet is Dick Tracy. Oh yeah, yeah. So I'll yeah, be looking for that. You. That's okay, John. I forgive you. <laughs> it's garbage. 
Branson, Branson, you're going to eat here soon. Relax. So anyways, uh, so for me, my, my, uh, my, uh, we connection comes from a portion where Bison is talking to the team and, uh, in the midst of the movie, uh, Chun-Li is about to put the winning blow and, uh, Bison gets away and they all get captured. And Bison says something interesting. He goes, if you had worked together instead of against each other, you would have been successful. And uh, it reminds me of Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 through 12. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift uh, up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone. He, when he falls and has no other to lift him up again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. With, with, will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. And uh, this brings up the whole reason for uh, friendship, for community. We um, there is a there's a mindset that well we don't need somebody. We're very independent here in the United States, but we do. We need friends. We need a community. We need brothers and in uh, in the faith and sisters in the faith. We need people a community that can lift us up because honestly, sometimes life sucks. Like I, I've had bad days, guys. Um, uh, even recently, I've had some times where I'm just I'm just done with stuff and I'm thankful to have a community where I have brothers. Some of the guys on this podcast right here that have encouraged me and and not even knowing that they were encouraging me at times. And we, I'm there for them at the same time. We need that. I want to encourage you guys listening. You may be going through some hard times, but the biggest work of the enemy is to make you go, well, I'll just suck it up. Don't worry about it. I don't want to be a bother. I hate that phrase because uh, it's so many people say, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to bother anybody. No, bother me. If you're struggling, if you're going through something, please reach out because there's no reason for you to suffer alone. That's how the enemy wins. So my encouragement for you guys is we can win against an enemy of the world. We can win against the uh, depression and fear and anxiety. If you would only work with other people, if you'd be willing to um, sometimes let down your, let go of the fear, let go of the, uh, the pride and reach out to somebody and let them help you. So that's my weak connection. Cool. Anybody else? There's a speech. Uh, I'm working on it. There's a speech from Jean-Claude Van Damme right before they get on the legendary stealth boat where he keeps going, but we can go home. <laughs> Evil's going to win, but we can go home. I get that impression from a lot of Christians that we have hit this wall of, but we can go home. We've gone to church on Sunday. We've gone to prayer service Sunday night. We've gone to Bible study Wednesday. We can go home and let it go. And we can't. At that point, we've just given up on everything. And it brought me to Galatians 6, Word. verse 9. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due seasons we shall reap if we do not lose heart. And just hit me hard that, hey, here we are. He's talking about how they don't need to be given up on fighting against bison, stopping tyranny. And yet as Christians, we are still, we are giving up and letting sin win. We need to listen to him more in both our personal and our worldly mm. lives. Word. Amen. All right. You got one, Branson? I did not at first, but after hearing some of the trivia, I do now, actually. <laughs> Go for it, Brumberg, my dude. <laughs> um, all right. So playing off of the fact that and I think, John, you're the one that mentioned that uh, Raul, Ju was it Raul Julia, is that his name? Mm -hmm. The guy that played Bison. Yeah. He was 
he was sick with cancer. And the only reason he took this role is because his son, who was a big Street Fighter fan, asked him to. And he did it kind of for his kids. And his son came back and said, look, say what you will about the movie. I love it. I think it was one of my dad's best performances. I love that movie. And I think his son's view of that movie may have less to do with the quality of the movie than just, I know my dad did this just for me. Mm. You know, I know like if I were that kid, I would be like, like I would have a special edition of that movie on a shrine somewhere because my dad was on his deathbed, but got up and poured his best into it to just for me. And the fact that uh, he did pour so much effort into it, they were talking about how he researched. I mean, this is a movie based on a video game. (laughs) You, You know, you don't have to put that much research into it, but he did. He looked at other dictators. He took mannerisms. He studied characters. I mean, he did the best that he could do to create the best character he could. And we all commented on how he was the shining part of that movie. He was the best part of that movie. And it reminds me of the story of Joseph, in a, especially in Genesis chapter 39. Joseph is sold into slavery by his brothers. He's in a foreign land as a slave. But he has this attitude of, you know what, I'm just going to do the best that I can. God puts, puts his hand on Joseph, blesses him, and it's like Joseph can do no wrong. Everything he touches multiplies. But he just keeps at it and keeps at it and keeps at it and pours his best into the situation that he's got to the point that Potiphar makes Joseph second in command of his entire household. And then we have the situation with Potiphar's wife, so he gets kicked back into uh, prison. And then he does the same thing again. He helps out the prisoners. He interprets their dreams. He does the best that he can do. And he works his way back up to where he becomes second only to Pharaoh over all of Egypt. So the, the, the takeaway there is no matter what situation you find yourself in, if God has put you there, then it's your task to do whatever you can do in that situation absolutely to your best ability as unto the Lord for the glory of God. Yeah. Uh, and that was... That was definitely uh, Ju- Julia. I'm going to mess up his name again. Is it Julia? Raul Julia. Raul Julia. That was Raul Julia's attitude. He's like, he didn't care. He didn't care that he was sick. He didn't care that this was a movie based on a video game. He cared about this is probably the last movie I'm going to do. It is a mm. movie that my son asked me specifically to do. So regardless of what else is going on, regardless of the fact that my co-star is a crackhead, Regardless of, of, of what else is going on, I'm going to pour everything I've got into this. Cokehead, sir. Cokehead. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> your drugs right, Branson. <laughs> but, and I, and I find that very inspiring uh, that, you know, no matter what situation I'm in, I'm going to put the best that I've got into it. And I think yeah. as, as followers, that's what we're called to be. God's not always going to put us on a mountaintop. He's not always going to put us in comfortable situations. As a matter of fact, Following Jesus usually means we're going to be in very uncomfortable situations. Awkward. But regardless of what circumstance we're in, we're expected to do everything to the best of our ability. And, and Julia epitomized that in the way he treated the Bison character. So that's my weak connection. All right. Um, and I have one too, also Let's based go. off of the production, more of the production and not the movie itself. Um, in that there was a lot of, stuff that was tolerated in the making of this movie that ended up affecting 
the movie as a whole. Um, and if it would have just been dealt with before it was an issue, I think I do believe that this could have been a better movie. Um, and it really made me think of uh, Galatians 5, verses 7 through 9. Um, Paul's writing to the Galatians and he says, uh, You were running well, who hindered you from obeying the truth. This persuasion is not from him who calls you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Um, and during this time period, uh, the Galatians were tolerating a doctrine and some teachings that weren't biblical and didn't come from Paul or any specific revelation from God. Um, and it was getting them off track to produce something that was not, not of God in the same way that there were just things that I'm sure were probably minor at first that were tolerated in the production of this movie that got them off track and ended up producing something that was a, is a disfigured representation of what this movie should have been. Mm. Uh, and as Christians, we have a tendency to make little tolerances and it's just a little bit of leaven here and a little bit of leaven there. But what we don't realize is, is that little bit of leaven is going to permeate everything at some point. That's um, good. And, and eventually it's going to affect everything like the garbage did in this movie. It ended up affecting everything. Um, and as a, as a, as a uh, Christian, you know, we're called to throw the leaven out you know, uh, throw the leaven out and start over basically. Um, so I would encourage anybody out there who is dealing with something and they've been telling themselves, ah, it's not that bad, or it's not such a big deal. It's just such a small thing. And, and, uh, you know, that type of thinking ends up, it, it'll eventually permeate itself throughout your entire life. And to, you know, sin isn't something to be, isn't something to wink at. Because yeah. eventually it'll, it will permeate everything in subtle ways that you don't even think of, because if it doesn't affect you directly, it'll indirectly change the way that you perceive sin to where you're like, Hey, you know, it's really not that big of a deal. We're under grace, you know? And so, you know, it, you know, it, God really doesn't care if we serve such a living, a loving God. And yet, you know, mm. it, I'm listening to another podcast called the midweek move where they're talking about the churches of, of in revelation where there were certain sects uh, that were like, Hey, let's experience the true grace of God by really uh, sinning more. You know, um, I believe that's how you guys were going into it. Wasn't it Dallas? No, it wasn't even the midweek move. It's your church. That's doing that. Yeah, it was just the sermon. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> I was like, they're going, I'm like, we're in James right now in midweek move. <laughs> my bad. Uh, so no, it's the healing place church in Shreveport, Louisiana, my church away from church. <laughs> but you know, uh, and, and it's like that eventually you, you end up with some wackadoo things that you would have never thought that you would have been to just because you make small compromises here and there that end up permeating everything. Right. So I would challenge you to throw out the leaven and create a new lump there cool dig it i i did not expect to go that deep out of street <laughs> but here we are <laughs> i know right it's it's pretty cool what we can do with some of this stuff here yeah. all right ladies and gentlemen thank you for hanging out with us uh, again uh, stick around to the very end we'll have our final rating of this of this particular uh, movie for you guys coming up um john i know you said that there's no way to get a hold of you nothing you want to advertise so we do want to say thank you so much for being on with us not john jonathan thank you for being part of the the show this month 
and uh, for suffering through two uh, two fascinating films. Uh, question for you: Are you going to go play video games? No, after actually, this? I've got about nine pounds of chicken to cook up and about four pounds of chicken wings to go cook now. I'm on my way, brother, to yeah, to have it here. Head, we're heading that way. <laughs> uh, John, yes, how can sir. people get hold of you? Uh, well, if you're interested in anything that I do, please check out the link tree in the show notes. Uh, that has links to all my projects I'm involved with. Uh, specifically, please go check out Playing Games with Strangers. That is my actual play uh, D&D uh, podcasts where a bunch of us voice actors get together and act like idiots for your amusement and also uh, go check out the upcoming episode of strangers and aliens that will probably be out by the time that you hear this where we talk about that terrible movie dick tracy that needs to go in a dumpster fire or mouth dumpster fire or (laughs) dumpster fire drive up to washington and slap you across the face i dare next next year on the bottom shelf (laughs) street fighter bottom shelf edition (laughs) (laughs) street fighter the movie the podcast (laughs) i respect this move a lot that's so good branson how can people get hold of you bud uh, I'm mostly in two main spots. Uh, I have a section of Com Talk called Bees User Reviews, where I review faith-based, family-friendly comics. If you have a faith-based, family-friendly comic you want me to review, you can send the recommendation to me at branson.boykin at gmail.com. Also, I have an audio drama called Gospel by Gaslight. Uh, it's a steampunk audio drama. You can find that on all your favorite podcast catchers. Just type in Gospel by Gaslight into the search window you can listen there word awesome hey i'm dallas you can find me at geekdevotions.com where you can find information about this podcast the bottom shelf uh, also our other podcasts we read allegedly uh the gundam watch con talk and then our weekly episodes on youtube called geek devotions where we take geek uh culture and use it let people know loved that being said follow this podcast on facebook and on instagram link for the bottom shelf podcast come up mostly easily uh whatnot and also as john keeps reminding us make sure you like and share and leave a review of this podcast uh coming down the road if you leave a review on apple podcast or if you really review on um pod chaser we might read it on air like if it's a good review we won't read terrible reviews <laughs> so all right Actually, so like if you leave a terrible review i might read it and then review your review wow <laughs> make it entertaining that being said hey thanks for hanging out with us and again stick around because you're about to hear our final rating of street Attention crew of the bottom shelf. Final rating for Street Fighter is in. We at the bottom shelf have officially declared 1994's Street Fighter. A middle shelf film. Oh dear. Seeing how the crew and community has rated this film. I now worry how they will view next month's. John. You may need to prepare yourself for it.